Chapter 19 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B. M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 19 Bronchopneumonia. Bronchopneumonia is perhaps not so much a disease as a condition or a lesion, and follows no set rules, either as to its causation or symptoms. It attacks preferably those at the extremes of life, infants, young children, and old persons. It rarely occurs as a primary disease, but usually as a sequel of a pre-existing bronchitis, and is particularly frequent as a complication of various diseases, especially the acute eruptive fevers of childhood, such as measles. Bronchopneumonia frequently occurs after or during whooping cough. No specific organism is the causative factor in bronchial pneumonia, though the disease is invariably of germ origin. The pneumococcus, the staphylococcus, and the influenza bacillus are all found, the pneumococcus being present most frequently. The pneumonic area, or area of consolidation, occurs in small patches, surrounding a bronchus, which is found filled with gray mucus, while the surrounding air vesicles are filled with an exudate somewhat like that found in lobar pneumonia. Symptoms 1. In children Following a bronchitis with its slight temperature, cough, and expectoration, if the child is not too young to raise anything, Bronchopneumonia sets in with increase in all these symptoms. The child becomes restless, and cough and dyspnea become more marked. Respiration is short, shallow, and may range from 50 to 75 per minute. Cyanosis may be present. The nostrils dilate with every inspiration, and the child is seen to strain to get its breath. Temperature varies greatly, usually reaching 103 degrees. Though it may rise as high as 105 degrees and may reach 108 degrees before death, the fever curve is irregular, but constantly above normal. The pulse is always rapid, often reaching 140 beats per minute. Sometimes it is so fast that it cannot be counted. Vomiting and diarrhea are frequent. The temperature falls gradually, the entire duration of the disease being from two to three weeks. The child may improve, and then, with the formation of fresh pneumonic patches, all the symptoms may return with their former or with increased severity. 2. In the aged. In old people, there are frequently no definite symptoms, and the signs of bronchopneumonia are discovered by the physician during a routine examination of the lungs. Cough and sputum may be slight or absent, a low grade of temperature, 100 degrees to 101 degrees, may or may not be present, and the main symptoms noted may be an increase in dyspnea or on very slight exertion and a gradual failure in strength. So many of these cases occur in elderly persons suffering from a chronic bronchitis of long standing 
that the development of a bronchopneumonia is thought to be merely a flare-up of the bronchitis. The disease is very apt to attack persons that are bedridden from other causes, whose hearts are so weak that the blood is not propelled through the lungs with proper velocity, and who lie for days and weeks in almost the same position. Prognosis. This depends largely on two factors. 1. Age. The younger the child, the greater the mortality. The older the patient, the greater the mortality. Probably from 30 to 50 percent of all cases occurring in childhood terminate fatally. 2. The primary diseases of which bronchopneumonia is a complication. These are too numerous to be discussed in detail. Treatment. The treatment of bronchopneumonia is hygienic and symptomatic. Some authorities are loud in their praises of out-of-door treatment, such as is used in tuberculosis and in hospital practice in lobar pneumonia. In summer, this is unquestionably indicated, but in winter, as many patients with bronchopneumonia are run down and debilitated, care and caution must be exercised. Most physicians prefer a rather warm room, 65 degrees to 70 degrees, if necessary, the air being kept moist with steam. Lafetra says, quote, Cold air is particularly indicated in cases with little bronchitis and during convalescence, while during the acute congestive stages of pulmonary infection, with considerable bronchitis, warm and moist air is preferable. Unquote. Flannel is usually worn next to the skin. Moderately high fever usually needs no interference, but when signs of toxemia are present, such as restlessness, headache, and delirium, the temperature must be artificially lowered. Water in some form is the usual method, as, especially in young children, antipyretics are not considered advisable. Cold sponges, wet packs, and cold compresses over the chest, Priesnitz applications, are relied upon. The latter are made by wrapping the chest with one layer of flannel that has been wrung out of water at room temperature, and covering this with three or four layers of dry flannel. This form of hydrotherapy is efficient in lessening nervous symptoms, and also to a lesser extent in lowering fever. Cyanosis must be met by stimulation of the heart, but that organ is weak, and by trying to divert the blood to the surface of the body. For this purpose, a mustard poultice applied to the chest and back is good, but the nurse must be very careful not to leave this on too long, as it may greatly irritate the skin of a young child. The flannel applications to the chest, above referred to, are often of service. Older children should have their position frequently changed, and babies should be taken up and carried about from time to time. For bad and persistent cyanosis, oxygen inhalations are of value. The heart often needs stimulation. Alcohol, now so frowned upon generally in medicine, is still conceded a place in the treatment of heart failure and bronchopneumonia. Brandy is the favorite form in which it is given. 
other stimulation varies in no way from that given for heart failure in other acute diseases food should be liquid or semi-solid depending upon the age of the child cough and pain that call so insistently for treatment in lobar pneumonia rarely require special measures in bronchial pneumonia if very distressing coating is effectual though in young children the use of opiates in any form is usually avoided as long as possible convalescence must be guarded as these patients are prone to relapse the treatment of bronchopneumonia in the aged presents no distinctive features stimulation must frequently be resorted to and the problem is mainly that of building up the patient's strength and trying to overcome the primary disease of which bronchopneumonia is a complication particular attention must be given to changing the position of the patient frequently to prevent hypostatic congestion in the aged alcohol seems to have a particularly beneficial effect in keeping up the strength and in enabling the debilitated individual to fight the infection End of chapter nineteen